I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hi, business owners and people thinking about starting a business someday. Glad to have you. Joe Connolly here. I'm the business news reporter at WCBS in New York, and I'm along with producer Neil A. Caruso. Today, we will introduce you to two business owners who are making pivots, doing interesting things. The first is Greg Hayes, founder of Branch Furniture, and the other one is Scott Weisberg of Everything Entertainment, which is an event services business. And we're talking this week about reimagining the workplace, how entrepreneurs are making innovative pivots and finding solutions to survive. First up, here's Greg Hayes. Greg, I'm wondering right now if the office furniture business is great for you or is it slow? What's the case? So I I think there are are two answers to that. Um, Our traditional business, which is outfitting offices for uh, small, medium, and sometimes large companies. So an average deal would be kind of a 50-person company for us. That business has ground to a complete halt. Um, and that has been our, our bread and butter. Um, luckily, we've been able to flip a switch. Um, it sounds easy, but it took a lot of work uh, to turn on a direct consumer business um, because, uh, of course, there are now a lot of people suddenly in need of, of uh, a home office setup. And so that business has been, I won't call it great for us, but um, it, it's grown many hundreds of percent. Uh, that business line has grown many hundreds of percent versus what it was prior to this. So are you putting all of your attention into the home office business now or most of it? We went through a period of about a month and a half where nearly 100% of our attention uh, flipped to that focus. Over the past few weeks, things are starting to come alive a little bit in the traditional furniture market, uh, mostly with regard to how companies are going to prepare their offices for a return to work or even a partial return to work. So I would say that at this point, our focus is split about 50-50 between furnishing people's home offices um, and preparing companies for getting back to work whenever that might be. So the return to work whenever that might be, will result in more office furniture no less or or just what what will your growth area be in this new format yeah the jury's still out on exactly what that's going to look look like but we think that the world evolves um uh, something like this so you're going to have for the next call it six to twelve months or, or or until whenever a vaccine is created you're gonna have a world where um some companies won't go back to the office at all but many will 
send their employees back in shifts uh, where some people will work from home and some people will be at the office. So it actually creates a new opportunity where instead of one desk or one chair for every employee, suddenly you've got an opportunity to sell two pieces of furniture for every employee because now they've got two places to work from. We do think, though, that that more mid to long term, this goes back to something that looks more like um, what you saw up until a couple of months ago. So we're quite optimistic, actually, about what the future of the industry looks like. And they're reimagining their workplace. What does it look like? Uh, what are you seeing so far in this early stage of, of the new workplace? Yeah, we're seeing two things. Um, so for the most part, and this surprised us initially, but now we've seen a lot of evidence of this. For the most part, startups are saying, look, we're going to allow our employees to work from home until it's safe to come back to work. But when it's safe to come back to work, we don't want to have this office space where we've got twice as much space and half as much furniture as we actually need. So we're going to furnish as if um, everyone's going to be able to walk back into this space in nine months or whatever it is and get to work like it's a normal day. Larger companies with bigger budgets, they're more focused on finding ways to spread the furniture out. They might take on a little bit of extra real estate so that they can spread things out more. And with both groups, there's a very big focus now on putting up um, what they would consider to be safety barriers. So things like acrylic panels or fabric panels to separate employees or spacing furniture out with things like credenzas. Um, That's been popular across the board. When and how did you get into the office furniture business? My background is actually in commercial real estate. Um, I had worked first at a, a traditional fund for about five years and then at a startup in the real estate space for a couple of years. And And office furniture was always this kind of like strange corner of the market that nobody in my world paid much attention to. But I, I, I couldn't get over how much companies were paying for their office furniture, how complicated the process of getting it was, um, and how long it took to, to put office furniture in place. And so I just became really in- interested in the industry, found a couple of co-founders with similar interest, and um, we thought that there was just a better way to go about furnishing offices. And, and a few years later, here we are. When was that that you first went into the this business? So we launched the business in uh, August of 2018. 2018 was when you started. So, And it always interests me and fascinates me how people see openings in fields that appear to an outsider to be saturated. But you obviously, what was the opening you saw? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing was when I started to get interested in the industry, I figured, you know, office furniture might be a a few billion dollar a year industry in the United States. And a little bit of research showed that it's closer to a $50 billion a year industry in the United States. And when an industry is that big and there's there's been really no disruption in it for close to 100 years, the model hasn't changed for close to 100 years, um, it was just too big of an opportunity to not uh, spend some time on. And and I, I think or we think that part of the reason that no one has really spent any time on it is is a combination of office furniture is is not something that people think about every day. And the people who do think about it are typically only transacting with it every five to 10 years when they're getting a new office. And so there's just not a lot of, there aren't many touch points for people to even think about disrupting the industry. How is Branch different from your competitors? The biggest thing that we do differently is that we sell everything directly. So we, we, we manufacture in the same manufacturing plants as the big name brands that are very, very expensive. We produce the same high quality furniture that they produce. Um, of course, they're our own designs. Um, but whereas traditionally, literally for the last hundred years, the industry has worked in a way where Herman Miller and Steelcase and these great brands 
outsource their sales force and their operations force to, to third-party dealers. Um, we just sell everything directly. So either through our website or through our, our salespeople um, who work in-house, and that allows us to cut a huge percentage of the margin out. And then the other thing that we do differently is, is we just make it really quick and easy for companies. So the typical timeline for getting office furniture is measured in weeks and, and often months. Um, and we're able to turn around office furniture delivered, installed, full white glove uh, service in as little as two weeks anywhere in the United States. Uh, and so that makes a big difference for companies that are operating on a, on a, on a short timeline. Wow, that's two weeks. That's fine. Are stand-up desks still growing in popularity, Greg? Have they peaked? They're incredibly popular. Um, I, I'm one of those people who never had the luxury of having a stand-up desk at any of my jobs prior to this, and I, I thought that they were the greatest thing in the world. Um, and they are. They're, they're fantastic. They allow you to, to break your day up a little bit. Um, but I didn't know how they would sell in the market. And we have seen, if anything, we've seen an acceleration of purchases of those products. Um, companies see them as almost like a, an added bonus or benefit for their employees. Uh, and so I, I would say we sell at least one standing desk for every traditional desk that we sell. And the ratio is probably more like 1.3 to 1.5 standing desks for every wow. traditional desk. Where do you go from here? You're a fairly young company. Yeah. So I, when we think about the, the future of the business, the first thing that um, we're going to be doing coming out of the coronavirus uh, and the lockdown is, is expanding the reach of our showrooms. So currently we have showrooms in Manhattan and in Toronto, Canada. We recently expanded into the Canadian market. But you got to remember, like the average purchase for our company is something like $40,000. And so it's, an, it's a similar experience to someone purchasing a car. They're not just going to make a large purchase like that online. They want to come into the showroom and test the furniture. And, and so we're going to expand our showrooms across the country. Um, and then, you know, as we kind of talked about, we, we hadn't expected this work from home thing to be a big part of our business for at least another couple of years. Um, and the quarantine and the coronavirus really accelerated our plans on that. And so now you're looking at a world where, yeah, sure, we're still more focused on our traditional business, but um, we're going to have an entire line of the company that's focused on building out a work from home environment. So um, we're going to be quite busy between those two things. What are people's needs in the home office? By far, the biggest thing is an ergonomic chair. Um, we can barely keep up with demand for ergonomic chair sales. Um, desks would be second and then uh, storage storage uh, products like credenzas and, and mostly filing cabinets are third. Interesting. You seem a little more confident than many about offices returning within a year and a half or two years to pretty much the way they are now in terms of density, Greg. Yeah, I'm very optimistic about, look, this is probably the first time in human history that all of the brightest minds on the planet have been focused on finding a singular solution to a singular problem. So I'm very optimistic that we're going to find ourselves in a world um, as soon as scientifically possible, where there's a vaccine and there's a good therapy for, for this virus. Um, and once that is the case, and this looks more like the flu, uh, I think that there should be no reason not to go back to more of a, a normal style of working. Um, but the one thing that we do expect to see is that work from home is now going to be culturally accepted in a way that it hadn't been before. It used to be looked at almost as lazy. Uh, and now people have realized that you can work from home and be very productive. And so we do probably move into a world where people are allowed to work from home two to three days a week and come into the office two to three days a week. Uh, yeah, we, we are definitely optimistic. That's a lot of people's dreams. 
I, I think so. Our team's definitely been happy with it. It seems a lot of people are very productive at home, Joe, but seemingly we're working longer hours. I know for myself, it's 10, 11, 12 hour days, and a lot of people tell us they're doing the same because there's no commute. What's interesting, though, is early research is suggesting, Joe, that younger people are more attracted to the city than older people. And I can say for myself that I can't wait to get back into Manhattan and into the newsroom because of that collaboration and camaraderie that you have with your colleagues. And and really, you know, you can keep in touch with them on the phone, but it's not the same. And I miss seeing you, too. Ah, That's nice. Thank you. And I miss being at the station. And employees of the Discovery Network were polled, and most of them say they want to work at home two or three days a week. They don't want to work at home every day. The city is an engine, as you say, of creativity. So things are still very much in flux. Speaking of that, here's an example of a business that's looking around for new footings. The other business we mentioned, here's Scott Weisberg and Neil talking about how things are changing at Everything Entertainment. Scott, when the pandemic hit and your business presumably suffered, what was the pivot that you made and how quickly did you make it? Well, we had in previously, we had actually provided tenting for H1N1 testing and for Hurricane Sandy relief and some other large scale uh, emergency events. So as soon as we had seen, as soon as I had seen the uh, information coming out on this, we actually started contacting some of our regular clients that had used us previously, as well as reaching out to some local hospitals and municipalities to, to let them know that we were around to be able to provide them with tenting and other emergency services that they may need. So we've sort of already had seen the writing on the wall and had contacted them. We, we did a preemptive strike, so to speak, to be able to contact them to be able to let them know we were available to use. What I really found it so interesting, because would you have been able to have lined up these government agencies and hospitals to do COVID testing tents if you had not done Sandy relief tents and that type of thing? Because usually it takes a long time to get government clients. We've done it before, so I guess that it's been, they already knew about me. I don't know what would have happened if they didn't know about me. Right. So you were able to call an existing client base for this new use. We did. We did make phone calls to new clientele as well, but we were able to use our experience and photos and referrals from existing clientele to be able to get these jobs. Nice. And the clients right. you serve are in the tri-state because you're based in Staten Island, correct? We are. We've Yes, most everything we've done is pretty much New York and New Jersey. Now, in addition to governments and the COVID-19 testing, you've also been working with restaurants. Tell me about how that has changed because they're looking to stay afloat and looking for new ways to survive in this new normal. Right. So, so far, the restaurants that we've been dealing with are looking primarily at getting shields as well as potentially getting some tenting put up. What I do believe it's brought to light is, is unfortunately, there are some restaurants that are not going to survive the past several weeks or the past couple of months, which is obviously terrible. But that also then brings the fact that we have some restaurants that are doing better and will and will survive because they have deeper pockets in some cases and have uh, just a better system set up for getting through this. 
So they are actually looking at expanding. And I had spoken to one restaurant that he's been, I actually spoke to two places that they've been thinking about expanding, thinking about adding on additional seating, but weren't really sure how to do it. And now that they've seen me out there discussing what we can do, they have now said, hey, maybe we, instead of trying to build out a, a larger, ex, building out an extension, it's a larger extension for our restaurant, we can rent something for two months, six months, see how it goes, rent it for two years, and then see if it's worth us building out an extension. Because obviously it's a lot less expensive to rent a tent for three months than it is to build an extension onto your building. How many tents do you own, Scott? <laughs> a lot. I have no idea. The, the answer is I have no clue. Um, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of square feet. I have no. Hmm. I have no idea. It's a, a lot, and it's it. That was, everything we have is modular, so we can take one tent and it can be expanded. So it's it's limitless on what we can provide. Um, currently, we have a couple of. Right now, we had a call from a from a utility company that they are, because of what's going on, they need to put up a tent for at least six to eight months to be able to um, store some equipment in because where they were storing the equipment is now now needs to be used for, uh, for testing because it's close to their site. So we have to put up a structure that is able to withstand high winds. They're not there in a very large open field. It's going through all kinds of engineering and they're coming to us because we have heavy-duty equipment that can be deployed immediately. Scott, the reality of this situation is that we have to abide by social distancing to prevent the spread. So when did you pivot into making these partitions? It's a new line for you. It is. We have a shop that we produce core and set pieces for special events. We'll build that custom tables and backdrops and so forth. So we're constantly building stuff. Uh, so something I add online. Unfortunately, I wasn't creative enough to say, hey, I created the first one. I saw one. I said, oh, that's great. Planned. Those things, I could sell tons of these. We make stuff out of acrylic. We make stuff out of plexiglass and Lexan and everything else all the time. I can make this in my shop and we can knock them out one, two, three. I saw the price they were charging. I went, oh, you know, not too much of a profit margin, but at least we can do something to help out and let me see what I can do. Then I sat down, I drew a couple of quick pictures, immediately saw the inherent flaws in this design that I had seen, which is a design that I constantly see online. A lot of companies are making them the exact same way. There's some inherent design flaws that make them not very stable. They can fall over, they can break, they can injure somebody, they can cause some damage. So I well, if I'm going to do this, let me create a better mousetrap. I'm used to being at special events, coming up with the potential problems and taking these challenges and figuring out ways to solve them. So the day of the event, you don't have a, a do-over. There's no second chance to do the wedding, a second chance to do the movie premiere. So we have to figure out the, the challenges beforehand. I did that same thing. I sat down, drew up a couple designs, figured out, took a look at my design, said, okay, this is better. Figured out a little bit more of what would make it able to last because I don't want to sell something to somebody or rent something to somebody and then ever come back and say, hey, this broke after two days. I want this thing to be able to last forever. Right. So you're selling some now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we started. So we, after that, I made a few mock-ups and 
we've sold quite a few and uh Hopefully, uh, we'll continue doing this. It's another line of business. Well, you've been in business, I see, on the website since 1988. Your experience clearly shows, Scott, right, Neil? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, who are the people who are reaching out to you right now for these partitions? Currently, we've had a wide range. We've had a veterinary office, a real estate office, a couple of restaurants, a few hair and a few like beauty salons, hair, nail, and makeup locations, a spa, a couple of other retail establishments have reached out to us also, um, dealt with a bakery, again, a very, very wide range, pretty much anybody who is dealing with the public, and in some cases, people with a deal, we've actually dealt with um, a couple, quite a few, quite a few buildings in Manhattan that have reception areas. How do you reach them, Scott? How do they know you're selling these? We sent out an email to our existing client base. We put a couple of ads online. Um, really have not done much um, of people. We are in a couple of business clubs. People have recommended me. They saw that we were doing them. The one woman that she recommended me, she had, uh, I don't know how many dozens of building managers she reached out to, which then reached out to other ones. Just the stuff we're doing is very well made, looks very clean, has nice clean lines on it. It's very modern looking. It'll fit into pretty much any atmosphere that you bring it into and we're able to customize them. So you know, I have one shop, one optometrist shop. He has two counters. Neither of them would met our quote unquote standard shield sizes. We immediately custom tweaked uh, our standard shields to fit what he needs. What are you seeing about the change in the workspaces as you install these partitions? The only thing I've really seen, what I've observed is that people are trying to keep things as normal as possible. They're not trying to make too many changes to what they've to their existing locations. They're trying to keep everything as it was and just trying to add this in. I most people I believe are hopeful that they're gonna put these shields up or make some tweaks for a month, two months, four months, and then be back to the quote unquote old way of doing things. Joe, it may just be a combination and a hybrid of new ways of doing business and going back to the old ways. Yeah, that's why some people call it the interim new normal. Next week, we will find more business owners to give you ideas by telling you what they are doing. There are new ideas popping up everywhere. We'll talk to you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 